Right. I want to make sure I'm saying your name right. So it's Coralie Fernando. That's right. Yeah. Good. First Perfect. time. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have you had to say, no, no, it's not my name? Oh, I mean, no, well, probably I would say like seven out of ten times probably when people are yeah. saying it for the first time. So, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm very impressed. Oh, <laughs> so I was looking on LinkedIn. You know, they've got the new feature where you can record your name and oh. you haven't done it. No. <laughs> I was looking before. Right. Coralie Fernando. Here we go. Right. <laughs> Hello everyone, thank you for joining me for another episode of Beer with Darren. Tonight I am joined by Coralie Fernando, and that was hard to say, believe me. Um, she is the marketing manager at Tiger Recruitment and an ex-recruiter sales. So I'm really interested to dive into that background and you know the, the transition from sales to marketing, I think is one of the most interesting ones. So Coralie, thank you so much for joining me tonight. How are you and uh, what are you drinking? <laughs> Thanks for having me, I'm good. Um, I am drinking glass of red. And the glass, it looks deceptively big, but I promise it's not. <laughs> it does look like a very big glass. It looks like you could throw a whole bottle in there. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Maybe half a bottle. <laughs> I've seen the ones, you know, where the glass is actually like with a straw at the end, but it's the whole bottle. You've seen that? Yeah. I, I think that's fantastic. <laughs> I know. So some nights, it, that would that would be a good choice, I think. But uh, not tonight. Yeah. I'm, I'm turning on the elegance for you, Darren. <laughs> oh, well, I'm actually going a little bit elegant myself because I'm not having a beer tonight. I'm having a vodka and Coke. And there is a reason for that. I'll, I'll be honest. I went out last night and had too much beer. And the idea of having another beer right now, it's just not sitting well with me. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't face it. Uh, yeah. On a Wednesday night, that's bold. Yeah, it is. I actually went to um, a lovely restaurant called The Hungry Horse, which isn't, you know, isn't quite gauchos. Um, but I tell you, what, on the menu, they had uh, a lasagna pizza. So they, they do um, a margarita pizza. They put a lasagna in it, and they put another margarita on top. So it's like a pizza sandwich, um, <laughs> which blew my mind. And oh, that's nine ninety nine as well, by the way. So <laughs> anyone's looking for a cheat date, hungry hole, <laughs> lasagna pizza. Oh, dear. Right. So if, for the people listening and watching, if they might not know you, would you mind just going into your background a little bit and uh, yeah, sort of where you come from and uh, yeah, how you end up at Tiger? Yeah, sure. So, um, so I uh, started off uh, my career uh, in Australia, actually. So I graduated in um, from in Leeds in the UK, but then uh, went to Australia shortly after that. Um, and one of the best ways that you could get a visa at the time was by going into recruitment um a visa with no experience i should show that um so so yeah so i that's how i sort of um learned all about the crazy life of recruitment agencies and i was doing and i did that for maybe four years or so um and moved uh, from sydney to melbourne in that time and um, one of my very close friends um owned a branding agency and she invited me to join her um, in a new role of account manager. So uh, that was really exciting. Um, I think she could see, as, as could I, that there are a lot of sort of similarities between, you know, I guess the account management function of recruitment and moving into a, um, another kind of agency. Um, and yeah, so that, and that worked really well. So I was there for a couple of years and that um, I was pretty much the only non-designer in, um, in that agency so I kind of took on a bit of account management um, but also a bit of studio management um, as well and ops and stuff as well and learn all about branding which was amazing 
um, and then went into moved back to UK and um, did a few stints at some agencies uh, in London, so in content marketing agency um, and a couple of other sort of more uh, digital. Um, uh sorry i'm gonna pause because i'm trying to okay. remember what I'm recall your LinkedIn. So if we, <laughs> it's like i don't know it's, it's difficult sometimes isn't it but what, what i'm really interested there is you said you started in recruitment in australia yeah you've obviously got experience on both sides of the the pond at that point how does recruitment in australia differ to the uk in your opinion um that's a tough question because i haven't um oh it's i think that's a tough question because just of the the difference in in time that's happened like that was when was i doing that maybe 15 no 13 years ago um compared to now so i think i don't i think it would be quite different difficult for me to compare i was in an agency that was very um a KPI focus so you know we had to do our 50 BD calls every week our 10 client visits um, and you know however many spec CVs and all of that sort of stuff it was really 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 sales driven whereas the agency that I'm in now is not so much about that it's much more about sort of and and the focus is more about relationships and um, being consultative so I, for me that my personal experience it would be it would be that um, although I don't know as I said if that's more of an evolution in time that's... I think it is I, I actually because that story resonates so much and you know if I think back to when I started in the recruitment industry I've never been a recruiter but the industry was so KPI focused you know you do this yeah. in this many CVs I think that's just a transition of time which is Fantastic to hear, number one, because yeah. I mean, that sounds like a much nicer environment. And actually, for your customers, knowing that actually they, you care about relationships more than you care about numbers, that's obviously great to hear as well. Yeah, yeah. How do you, and this is going to be an odd one, because obviously you went into the branding side. Uh, I know you've got some copywriting um, experience on the LinkedIn as well. Mm. How did that transition happen? Did you find that actually sales were very similar to marketing, or was it a complete contrast? um i didn't no there were, i mean there were definitely elements of it that i could take into it so like when i moved in in into that particular branding agency from having been in recruitment um there were loads of positive uh, there's a loads of positive sales experience and that sales training that i'd had that i could bring to that role so um that was fantastic just in terms of but it was more in terms of like onboarding new clients for, for that branding agency um, and picking up the phone and making introductions and getting meetings for, for the owners and things like that. So that was really positive, which is, but that's quite different to the marketing element, I guess. Um, the, the branding and marketing piece that I learned in that agency was a whole new set skill set for me um, that I picked up. And then, yeah, I, I sort of started to do some copywriting for them as well. Um, and then later sort of started freelancing for other companies and I, when I came back to the UK as well. Um, so it just sort of evolved really. I think I've just, I've been really lucky in that I haven't necessarily been siloed in one particular career path. I've managed to make some switches and I've learned a lot along the way, which has been really good. And that, that copywriting skill you mentioned that you learn. I, mm. I personally, whenever I speak to a really good salesperson, 
and the copywriting is so important, especially when in, in our game we we don't trend to do you know hundreds of phone calls. What we try and do is send one seriously good personalized email that gets a response. Yeah. Um, copywriting still, I think, is so key um, across the board. Yeah. What, do you have like a your top tip when it comes to copywriting? What's the one thing that stands out in your mind? Um. Just I think well the main th I mean it's quite obvious but I think I think I think but um the main thing would just be always think about who who, who always think about who it is that's reading it and um, what they're interested in basically that and I I use that all in throughout my copywriting every single day like in my role now as well and I manage a content editor now and that's always the first thing I say have you written that with the, that audience in mind. Are they going to be drawn to that heading? Is that going to make the, is that heading going to make them want to read more or click through to that email? If it doesn't, then change it. Make sure, you know. So one of my biggest issues is that, especially for Pager, I'm I'm very very close to the product, and when yeah. I'm writing things like web copy or your email copy, I I find myself using words that I understand, but I'm not convinced mm. understands it. My my bios, my personas. Um, yeah. One of our features is to push content out across um, your sales team. We yeah. call that broadcast function, right? So the amount of times I've written an email gone, you can broadcast content. It's like, what does that actually mean? Yeah. So I, I, th I think that's a really good tip. I, I need to use it more often. I need to read things back and think, am I writing this for me? Am I using internal jargon? Because um, oh, it's one of the hardest skills I find uh, is writing good yeah. content. Yeah, definitely. And even in terms of, um, you know, something as simple as using the words clients and candidates, you know, I, d I think there are a lot of people outside of recruitment who wouldn't know who a recruiter's clients are. <laughs> you know, that yeah. a lot of people would think that those are the candidates or whatever. So I think, it, and it's not it's not just in um, written content. I think we have to be really careful in uh, events as well. You know, if we're hosting an event or I'm seeing um, an event to be careful about using that kind of terminology too and just thinking, you know, using the word employer or whatever. Yeah, the one that used to get me was hiring manager. So I, I, at Broadbean, I was a hiring manager. I didn't know this at the time. Um, so I used to get an email saying, hey, Darren, I noticed you're a hiring manager at Broadbean. I thought, no, I'm not. I'm a chief technology officer. What are you talking about? What's, what's a hiring manager? Uh, and I think that's just such a recruitment term, isn't it? Really? That's so funny. So I, I hadn't thought of that before. So that's one I have to bear in mind, I think. I just, I've never considered myself a hiring manager. I didn't realize I was until, you know, I took a step back. Yeah. I started looking up, oh, yeah, I suppose I am. You know, I, I'm in charge of hiring within the tech team, but I, I never would ever call myself that. Ever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that resonates with anyone listening, but um, it's the one that always got me, always got me when I got emails uh, from, from recruiters. Yeah. And phone calls, in fact, actually. You know, the phone calls. I, I worked with probably five really, really good, good recruiters at um, Broadbean, and it was all based on people, right? You know, they phoned and they resonated with me. Uh, there's the hiring manager ones. It's just I just didn't feel right, uh, but yeah. maybe it's me. I don't know. Uh, yeah. If anyone's listening, please put it in the comments because I need to know now. Is it just me that doesn't <laughs> <the> hiring manager? <laughs> now you mentioned you've got a content editor. Um, it sounds like you're in quite a luxurious place then, because most of the recruit masters I speak to, um, it's just them. <laughs> it's just them, and they're you know they're yeah, okay. marketing. So, yeah. your, what does your team look like, and and how? How did you actually get get the budget for a team and how did you get that in place? So um, 
so when I uh, so I was cop when I was copy copywriting and had my freelance clients as I mentioned before um Tiger was one of those clients and I was so I was actually freelancing for them um for a couple of years before they invited me to take on this role which was newly created at the time um and I think um my boss probably hoped that in hiring me internally would mean that it would you know he wouldn't uh, need to outsource the copywriting anymore or, or you know pay someone else to do it but um I soon realized like there was just no way that I could manage the whole thing by myself and set it up because he charged me with um one of my big remits and then the first 12 months was a rebrand and a new website as well and it was just um yeah it was all too much so it's just kind of evolved organically to be honest and I think you know we've Tiger's been lucky enough up until March this year to enjoy um you know really amazing growth across different divisions across uh different territories um and that success has just meant that we there's greater demand for the marketing team and what we do. Um, so yeah, so I've got um, a marketing assistant uh, who also helps with some design internally um, in house, and uh, the content editor as well. Who's um, yeah, she's rushed off her feet, so that's a, a full time role as well. <laughs> Incredible to hear. And you mentioned you're you're rushed off your feet, and because of the growth, so that that in, indicates to me that you're measuring yourself at revenue level right so as as a result of more revenue there's more demand for marketing so mm -hmm. how do you how do you actually report on the roi of marketing it's always a fun subject right so how do you do that internally oh gosh it's it's a tricky one to be honest um i think well so basically i uh, the crm that we use is an an amazing one um which makes reporting extremely difficult um so we basically measure it on leads coming through from the website to be honest so it's all client it client leads seo is a massive part of of what we do as well um and where a lot of our income and new clients um come from so that's one of the main drivers and then in addition to that it's any other sort of promotional activity um that we're initiating throughout the year um any of the leads that are coming through from our content um that we're content marketing activities that we're putting out um and then we attribute that to x amount um and that's where that, that's basically how i measure roi amazing so i imagine you live inside google analytics then oh my god yeah <laughs> yeah google analytics semrush yeah uber suggest all of those what, what is your what is your favorite tool you mentioned a few there what's your favorite um tool that you come across um, i need I, this in my life and i i want it <laughs> um i i enjoy i mean in, i think i enjoy semrush the most because i find it you know in, the most intuitive basically um that's i would say that's probably the main thing i, I was on google analytics today trying to find something and it was it wasn't obvious where I would find that thing so I had to end up you know googling it in order to find out where in within analytics that it was whereas SEMrush I feel like you can just click on a few things and then you can pretty much find you know where it is and figure it out sometimes in Google I have to remind myself I'm not paying for it I, I really well, yeah. <laughs> I get so frustrated with it I'm like it should be here that's where it should be but it's not 
And you're right, you end up Googling an answer to Google's own product, right? And yeah. you get there in the end, you do. Um, but yeah. Yeah, if anyone from the Google team's listening, please have a look at EUX. It's, uh, exactly. It needs some, needs some work. Exactly. Uh, and as soon as you get used to something, they bloody well update it. And you have to learn <laughs> the whole thing again. Yeah. I mean, so I, I, I learned, I sort of went into Google because we we have like UTM tracking codes on everything. And yeah. before before Pager, I didn't know what a UTM tracking code was. It sounded like a, I don't know, yeah. a or something. It was uh, quite an opener that, you know, you can tag everything and you can have goal conversions. And I love it now. Absolutely love it. But for mm -hmm. a long time, you know, I, I didn't understand Google Analytics. I, I hold my hands up and and I was quite yeah. into it. Um, yeah. but it was quite a steep, steep learning curve. But now that I've got it, I couldn't live without it. I really couldn't. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy looking at it. So one of the things I do want to talk to you about is the one of the things I love about the recruitment industry and, and recruitment marketing in particular is that you are not necessarily B2B or B2C. For me, you're both. And that always creates, for me, it's, it's difficult to define your strategy when you're trying to look after both sides of the coin. Mm -hmm. What is your sort of take on that and how do you have a strategy for both? Um, it's... Oh gosh, it that's a <laughs> that's a big question, because um, I and the main reason for that that I say that is it's not necessarily, yeah. I mean, we have an, a, so many different audiences because we have we work across a number of different sectors um, and locations. So, in terms of strategy, it's about I guess prioritizing first of all for me um, and speaking to the management about um what we're looking to achieve that year and then working backwards from there really so a bit making sure that each of those audiences are targeted and addressed in in order of priority as i said so um yeah that's probably in its simplest form did you want a bit more detail no, 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 no. i think prioritization is a key thing it's it's very <laughs> easy to get overwhelmed right and i've um I do something called ruthless prioritization, which is, if you Google it, it's a really interesting thing. But I, I literally decide that each day I'm only going to do five things and I make mm. sure that five things are the most important things and anything else has to wait. Mm. It, it means that at the end of the day, I can say I accomplished what I wanted to do. Um, yeah. Whereas I used to sit there and think, right, I've got 100 things in my inbox. I need to get through all, all 100. And, you know, it's impossible. Burnout's a real thing. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I would say right five things that are going to move the business forward. Five things that I want to do today. Yeah, um, and that's that's what I've started doing because you can't do everything. You just can't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I mean that's the thing, and it's it takes a long time to to get used uh, to be comfortable with walking away from your desk at the end of the day with a, a to do list that's still you know you could keep going until three in the morning. It, yeah. like, the job is never done, is it? You so. No, and the problem with working from home, I've found during lockdown, is that it is never done because you're always at work or always at home. It's a weird one. I know. I actually, we, we started going back into the office a few months ago and it's actually been great, to be honest. I've really enjoyed going back because I was finding that as well. It was just, it, there was just no escape from work and it just felt really all-encompassing, especially, what you know, in like height of lockdown and you can't go out or anything like that. It was just... um yeah, absolutely horrendous. <laughs> so yeah, it's good. You're back in the office. I'm assuming part time, but you're you're back in the office uh, 
And, you know, it's one of the things I'm looking forward to most is getting together as a team back in the office. I know. Yeah. It really makes a difference. It makes such a difference. And I think, you know, where for marketing, um, you know, the relationships that we have with the consultants and and management as well are just so important, you know, and, and, and having those links in place, being able to visibly see people and have like those chats that we we just weren't having when we were working remotely um just makes such a big difference to to what we do and how well we we do our jobs as well yeah how did you find um remote management how do you find managing a team um from home um i mean i definitely prefer face to face um so yeah that would be my preference definitely moving forward um it it was okay i think i'm 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 fairly hands off as a manager anyway like i let them i you know i i i think they prefer it and i prefer to sort of let them get on with it and um you know let me know if they need anything or have questions or whatever um but i think just for team morale it's definitely better to be in the office together and because it can yeah as, as i said before it can just feel very overwhelming um and particularly yeah if you're on i think if you're on your own and it, like for a content writer for example if all you're doing is bashing out content all day and you're not interacting with people i think it can can feel a little bit um monotonous and lonely i would imagine yeah absolutely because there's there's nothing else you need to do your job right so you're literally just honed in on that yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Just to just to brighten the the mood slightly, <laughs> <laughs> if we can come back to your content strategy. So you mentioned you do a lot of content writing. Obviously, you've got your content writer. Mm. What's really interesting is you mentioned that's your main source of leads as well. So your SEO. How long did it take for you to number one get your company to buy into the idea of content writing SEO being a good form of leads? And then how long did it actually take to come to fruition? Because I think there's lots of people that probably at the start of their journey. And they're trying to get their CEO to buy into the idea that you can write content and in six to nine months or longer, that mm. will start bringing in leads. How did you go about that journey? Um, I mean, I think I was quite lucky in that um, my CEO uh, was already very aware of that before I was appointed into my role, to be honest. Um, and that, you know, so that was very fortunate. And he still sees a huge value in in the marketing function. So... I'm really lucky in that sense because I know there are a lot of marketers that just don't have have, have that from their from their CEO. Um, so, but in terms of the journey, it's it's funny because it's changed so much, and and SEO changes almost daily, doesn't it? So, you know, when I first started in the role, I think this the strategy that we took at that point uh, was very different to what to what we're looking at now. So, for example. I think back then it was much more about keywords um, and, you know, looking at what you want to target for and then just going hell for leather on the keywords. Whereas now um, we're taking a much more streamlined approach. So, uh, for example, looking at a pillar and cluster techniques and um, obviously thinking about Core Web Vitals um, with the SEO updates that coming that's coming in next year. Um, so we're actually streaming a lot of those blogs that we did write, you know, uh, 
we have well I guess they're probably almost 10 years old some of the blogs on our on our website now um, we're actually consolidating a lot of them where they're sharing the same topic uh, or too similar a topic um, and yeah making them into into sort of more beefy pieces of content that are going to be more useful I guess and and not confuse Google with conflicting um, target terms. Do you miss the times when you could just put some white text on a white background and be ranked number one? <laughs> Do you know what? I never. I, I don't know if I ever um, was around when that happened, or when I, I certainly wasn't working on SEO when that happened. Fortunately, <laughs> I do remember seeing the sites. I remember browsing the sites and just seeing them. All of these keep like clouds of keywords in the bottom <laughs> of blogs. Just, oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I told you about how I got into website design, and I'm not afraid to admit this. It was MySpace. So when MySpace let you customize oh, your profile, yeah, the music playing, the jazzy stuff at the top. Oh, I loved yeah, it. And, uh, I know. <laughs> yeah. Actually, if you uh, if you Google my name, I think the third image on Google Images is my MySpace page. I look about twelve. It's. Uh, I didn't yeah. even know MySpace was still. Is it still a thing? Oh well, it's a thing for musicians, which I am not. Believe me. Um, <laughs> but if you if you had a MySpace page back in the day and you didn't delete it, it's still there. Yeah. Oh, right. That's interesting. I got to might have to do some digging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes it really interesting. It makes it really... <laughs> One of the things you mentioned just then was your your pillar and the the content strategy. Do you mind just going into this a bit more detail on that and on, on what that looks like for people? Yeah, sure. So um, to be perfectly honest, the, my content editor did the bulk of the research and she's doing most of the executing as well. So I can probably only give a top line uh, overview of this. But um, but essentially, Pillar and Cluster is about the, the Pillar copy piece of content is uh, long form um, and covers absolutely everything. And then the cluster are the topics that are associated with that Pillar piece of content. So for example, um, if you were to do a, um, a pillar piece on diversity, you might talk about, you might incorporate some uh, long tail keywords like um, what is diversity and inclusion? Uh, why do I need diversity and inclusion in my company? And lots of those sorts of um, questions um, and cover off in as much detail a lot of those um, a lot of the content related to diversity and inclusion. You can probably have some anchor um, text at the top that uh, points, sorry, the, the page anchors to that points to different chapters within that content as well. And then, as I said, around uh, uh, surrounding that, you'd have separate pieces of content that are the cluster pieces, which will be shorter, but related in some capacity to diversity and inclusion. So for example, um, they might be things like, um, go, it might be going more, uh, getting more involved in the topic of, um, I'm just sorry, uh, like women in leadership, for example, um, or uh, the gender pay gap, for example. So those mm. topics are um, obviously, you know, whole content pieces of interest within their own right, but they'd probably be cluster pieces that you would link back to the, your pillar post and your pillar post would also link to your cluster too. So that tells Google that um, your pillar piece is the mother, I guess, of the of the topic um, and therefore you're an expert in what you do um, and your clusters um, are the yeah smaller but more precise targeted um, topic areas within that. 
I find that so fascinating. And it means <laughs> I know off the back of this, I've now got to have a conversation with Emily, who will be editing this podcast. So <laughs> Emily, as you're listening to this, it's <laughs> we've got a, a conversation to be had on Monday morning. <laughs> oh, right. Well, gosh. Well, I don't. I, I apologise, Emily, because it's no small piece of work. It's huge. <laughs> well, I, think, I think it's fantastic because we're we're on we're new to our, our marketing journey. I don't know if you've seen, but we're sort of we're calling it open sourcing our marketing. So we're documenting everything. So. Um, that's going to be one of the weeks uh, coming up. We're doing a lot around um, marketing automation at the moment. Do you do much of that in, in terms of? Not massive amounts. We do some, um, but just on Mailchimp. Yeah, so it's, it's opened my eyes to what's possible. But I don't. I mentioned at the start the reason I love copywriting is the personalization, and we get such a good response rate because we make sure that the the subject line is so out there so for, mm -hmm. first of all, the subject line we send is nothing ever to do with the actual body of the email it's just really really focused to them um so it grabs their attention because people get so many emails my biggest yeah. concern with email automation is you lose the personalization right so that's my yeah. that's my big concern I'm, I'm yet to you know the jewelry's out i haven't made a decision yet we're going to try it see how we get on i may be mm -hmm. completely wrong but i love personalizing my emails at the moment um, yeah. so the, the jury's out uh, I'll, I'll come back to on how that one goes <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i think as you do you use mailchimp and um, so we use we're, we're using something called arm at the moment um, okay. which is uh automated recruit marketing actually so it's built for recruitment agencies but obviously yeah. we're using it just you know uh, kieran who works there is a is a friend um, so he's got me into this automation journey uh, so really? it's a really cool bit of kit. Um, yeah. The only bit on my way is personalization. And Kieran tells me I'm, you know, I just need to wait and see the results because that's what you measure it on, not your, not your gut feel, right? So uh, yeah. <laughs> one, one of the things I did want to chat to you about because I'm wary that your glass of wine, although it's big, is is becoming empty. Well, it's okay because I've also got the bottle next to me oh, just in case I ran out. We're fine. Loads <laughs> <laughs> of time. That's all right then. One of the things I really wanted to chat to you about was your relationship with your with your sales team, with your recruiters, mm -hmm. and how you how you make sure that that's number one a good relationship. How you get the back and forth going, but also did your experience as a recruiter help you with that? Um, it definitely did. I think. Um, yeah, being having been a recruiter and even, you know, doing those sort of uh, having those big KPIs that I talked about is probably, um, yeah, really helpful because I think one of our main one of our main objectives really in the marketing team and particularly right now is basically giving the consultants a reason to to call or getting giving them a reason to get in touch with their clients. So. Mm. Um, and that might be in the form of, you know, an event coming up or a webinar or, or piece of content or, um, yeah, anything, a promotion, whatever it might be. But, you know, they need to be armed with as much stuff from the marketing team as possible in order to uh, be able to do their jobs effectively right now. Because, you know, in the last six months, their their clients have not been recruiting to the same levels that, that they were and they can't pick up the phone to say, "Hey, it's so and so from Tiger Recruitment. Can I? You've got any jobs?" They have to. It has to be more than that. It has to be about adding value. It has to be about um, helping their clients do their jobs better. And and that's where we've been working really hard this year to to be able to do to go above and beyond um, even what we were doing before, really, on that front, and um, to help them do that. And I think 
so yeah long answer to your question um but yeah we've been working really closely with the consultants and the management teams to just better understand what the pain points have been for clients so that we can address those needs as, as well as possible really amazing so you're actually talking to your salespeople about the content that they want to have for those conversations right so they're yeah, feeding yeah. ideas i imagine say again they're feeding you ideas so you're not, you're not yeah yeah exactly they're giving us ideas um all the time like you know i sorry i'm mentioning diversity again because i've we've i've been um spearheading the diversity and inclusion strategy at tiger as well this year and that's been obviously a massive topic for a lot of people but mm. Um, diversity has been um, a really big one for our clients and, and for the HR community. Um, and we're getting uh, inquiries um, and requests from our clients to, un to better understand what we're doing as a company about it. So it made sense for us to develop content around that, um, to host events, um, invite experts in, those, in that space um, in order to be able to, to talk to our clients about it. And you know the feedback has been amazing like it was one of we did a webinar last month and it was um the best event that we've ever done the in terms of um engagement feedback and amount of attendees and the consultants were it was amazing for us as in marketing for the consultants to be able to say to us thank you so much that's absolutely amazing i've never even heard from that client before they've never returned my call and you've made that happen they've come back to me you know and that's just wow, amazing Oh, let's, yeah. do, let's do a high five through the camera. I know, I know. That is incredible. I know, exactly. And like, you know, you speak to, you know, recruitment marketers all the time. You know that that relationship is one of the most challenging. But when that happens, it really is the most rewarding. To, yeah, that, that really yeah. is. And the fact that you know, it shows, number one, they value marketing, they respect you, and also they appreciate you. That's yeah. That's um, in, an incredible, incredible place to be. I mean, it, it's a complete contrast. I don't know if you've seen at the moment we're doing the charity T-shirts where we've got things like busy jazzing it up, colouring in department. Just yeah. so the next time you're on a Zoom call with uh, with your sales team, you can get your point across that you're not not the colouring in department. <laughs> you've achieved that, right? Which is, it sounds like you've gone about it the right way, by the way, because you've done the hard work and you've delivered the results and they're starting mm -hmm. to see that. Have you have you ever had a, a disconnect between the two and and how did you go around solving that? Have you ever had one consultant that just just didn't respect what you did? I mean, there's always one, isn't there? Um, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, I, th I mean, it was probably uh, in the earlier days, I would say, um, when I when I was when I first joined, um, like in my first year and they probably weren't. And I was because it was a new role. My main focus at that time was the rebrand, the website, just getting everything in order, making, uh, getting cementing processes and all of that sort of stuff. So I think it was probably trickier for them to see where I was adding value. Um, mm. So, but now, you know, the department's been bedded in a lot longer. So it's, and and they know what we do. We other communication internally is really good. Um, you know, we have weekly written updates. We have week, um, weekly, meetings for the whole across the whole business and at that point we do marketing updates and communicate exactly what's going on and everything else so they know what we're doing they know what's coming up and yeah so i think like just the communication really has been really key in um making sure that there is buy-in there um and, and I, you know and i also just i invite feedback all the time so 
if they do have feedback and they do need something or they think that that whatever would be a good idea then they know that it's an open door and just let us know and you know we, if we if if we can do it then we will so, so without naming names what's the uh, what's the wackiest idea anyone's ever brought to you where you've gone oh my god <laughs> um oh and god. you can't say you can't say i understand <laughs> <laughs> um what's the wackiest idea Oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't say. No, no, it's all right. I, I completely understand. We'll, we'll catch up in a couple of years. Maybe we have to say then. Yeah. Um, the best <laughs> one that I ever heard at Broadbean was uh, that we should be sponsoring uh, their, their children's rugby team. Um, you know, one of the salespeople saying, come on, it makes sense. You know, there's lots of recruiters that are in, in rugby. It's like, yeah. it's, it's a small team, like a 12-year-old team. Like, we should do it just because it's the right, nice thing to do. But don't try and say you're going to get ROI from it. One question I always ask, uh, and again, you can refuse to answer, but I, I hope you don't. What's your biggest fuck-up in marketing? What have you spent money on going, that wasn't, that wasn't very good. I shouldn't have done that. Um... Oh God! In marketing specifically, um, Ooh, we, can, we can go wider if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in oh God, I don't know. I've never. I'm. I mean, I'm lucky. Like, I've never printed like the wrong color on the logo or the wrong, you know, spell the name wrong or anything like that. Um, I mean, I can tell you mine if it helps while you're thinking. So, um, Pager, when yeah. we first started, we were called Content App, um, and we do the recruitment expo, you know, every every year. Um, and I knew, I knew that we were rebranding. I knew this because I didn't like the name. I didn't like the, you know, I I knew we were rebranding. Yet, I still bought a permanent stand for the expo, something I could take down, take home, um, you know, reuse, and it cost a lot more money. I think it was about a thousand pound more, just so I could reuse the stand. Even though I knew in a month's time we were rebranding. And I, I don't know why I made that decision because I literally took it home and thought, I'm putting the bin. Like, why, why did I do that? <laughs> that was my one. When I just sat there and I thought, you, you twat, why did you do that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, some, I mean, sometimes you, you said earlier, you know, that some, it's, it's not necessarily a good thing to go with gut feel, but I think sometimes you go with gut feel. And if it works for you at the time, then you just, you know, that's <laughs> fine. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, I'm really sorry. It's so boring. I can't think of anything mark, like marketing specific, but uh, I um, but about I, you know in but the role that I was in before uh, at Tiger, I um, at one of the Christmas parties, I snogged one of my colleagues, and I didn't think that anyone would find out, but they absolutely <laughs> did. But I'm still with him. I'm now five years later, so that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's not a mistake. Well, it depends. It might be. A mistake. It sounds like that was a positive. <laughs> a kiss at the Christmas party. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, we all remember the uh, the video that went round, right, of the uh, the company up north. I don't know if you saw that. No, but, I didn't. Uh, right. Well, I won't link to it, but uh, have a Google of it. Like uh, worst Christmas party video it will soon come up. Number one result. Um, a kiss at the Christmas party is nothing compared to that. So you're, you're completely safe. Okay, you're good. completely safe. Um, is there anything you want to chat about? You know, I'm an open book as well. Is there anything you want to chat about while while we're here? Um, I mean, 
are you I mean it would be not really not especially I mean it's always you, t you said before about your um how you're speaking to clients and a lot of them I would mean, just be interesting to hear you know what you're seeing out there and you mentioned that you're on a marketing journey as well so you know how you guys are finding it and what your main lessons have been and what your main successes have been as well yeah so I'll be honest my main lesson is that we all everybody thinks they're marketers number one. Oh, I know um, yeah that's my main lesson and also everybody underestimates what it takes to do good marketing it's very easy to do marketing and do a bad job of it good marketing mm -hmm. is underappreciated um, and incredibly hard work um, all the way from you know from copywriting you know the idea that if you can be concise and get your message across in four four letters four words or you mm -hmm. should um, people think it's really easy to write it's not you know I spend so long trying to come up with the right headline so it's been a real eye-opener in terms of time and how long things take that's number one um, what am I seeing in the market I'll be honest when lockdown hit when COVID hit there were companies that took a knee-jerk reaction and it was a real shame to see marketing be the first thing to be hit mm. um, there were some really good marketers that were made redundant um, that they saw the true colors of those companies coming out um, but on the flip side to that we also saw the complete opposite and um, we saw people investing in marketing realizing that marketing is the answer it does give you those keys to have those conversations with clients that you want to right now so mm. for me it was just a, a complete contrast across the market seeing yeah. how people reacted um, a lot of people I personally think there's a lot of CFOs out there that don't understand marketing and if they can't see a direct return um, then they, they think there isn't a return um, and those are the ones that I think made them made the wrong decisions and yeah. this time uh, the people that are now I'm talking to and they're coming out of this and they're, they're stronger than before they're, they're on their way to being stronger than before are the ones that double down on marketing during that time um, yeah they carried on investing so for me, it was a really sad time because I saw lots and lots of people um, being made out of work, right? That uh, you, I struggled to justify it because I would personally, at that time, I would have kept the marketers and, and got rid of a, a salesperson that we've just said can't call clients right now. Mm. You know? um, so it was a uh, really mixed emotions for me. As a, yeah. as a business, obviously, that has a knock-on effect. Um, most, mm. of our, most of our clients are marketers, uh, you know, and... Uh, I, if you, if you were talking about pipeline, I mean, it was like a sinking ship at that time. <laughs> pipeline went from yeah, nearly there, nearly there, ready to sign to ah, we, to the point yeah. where we actually changed our CRM to add a new category. Um, so we added a new category of delay due to COVID. Um, so we weren't just moving people to loss because I honestly don't believe they're lost. It was just, you know, a pandemic has happened and mm. we'll pick up these conversations when we can. Mm. Uh, but we concentrated much like yourselves was how do we have conversations with people where we're not saying, hey, do you want to look at Pager right now? Because we know you don't have the budget to look at Pager right now. And, you know, I'd almost prefer you not to look at Pager. You know, if you've got if you've got money in your business, please, please employ people, please hire people, make people back or furlough. You know, yeah. we can sort the tech stuff out later. Um, yeah. yeah, it's been a real, I don't know, roller coaster for me. Um, mm -hmm. On a personal level, I've learned a lot about myself. Uh, a lot of business um, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to 2021 um, just That's get this turn out of the way but also I, I honestly believe we're we're going to do good things in 2021 yeah definitely are you gonna are you gonna go back into the office or are you gonna stay guys gonna stay remote 
So um, we've actually just signed a new lease for an office. Um, so oh, we're in a new office in November. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm really keen to get back to the office. Uh, we're going to be a hybrid company, I guess. Is that the right yeah. word? Um, because I'm with you. I, I think there's so much value in face-to-face -face meetings. There's so much value yeah. in getting together and chatting, um, mm -hmm. especially in marketing, actually. Um, you know, I, yeah. I, over lockdown, I've spoken to Emily a lot more than, than most of the team, um, not intentionally, just because marketing is so crucial at the moment. And it's always, it's always crucial, but yeah. it like I've been spending a lot of my time there. Uh, and I feel like a lot of the things we've done, we could have achieved twice as quickly if we were just in the same room as each other. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I know some of the, the team are like, why? Why have we got an office? You don't need, you don't need an office. Yeah. Um, it, I'm just really open to it. Every, everybody's been so productive. I'll tell you what, that's another eye-opener for me. Mm. I've, I've always worked in an office. Um, you know, all 15 years of my career, I've always been in an office. And I, I honestly, I'll be honest, I thought that people wouldn't be as productive at home. Mm. I've been proved wrong. And I'm glad I was proved wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the big, like, the lesson for me in all of this is, well, I hope that, and for a lot of people it would be as well, but it's just, you know, it's not, doesn't necessarily need to be one or the other, but a mix of both, like, I feel is just the best way to move forward with it, really, because it's great working from home, but you can't do it every day day it becomes unless you live in an incredible place with a you know home office and you know the, the, and no interruptions and all of that so, you know in a gym or whatever I just I just can't imagine that you could do it you know and enjoy it being on your own every day um but yeah a few days a week to come in and collaborate and see people is like the right yeah. sort of balance isn't it yeah that's our plan that's absolutely our plan yeah I thought of a mistake that I can talk about um, yeah, go on. <laughs> okay well it's not necessarily my biggest fuck up but um something that has that comes to mind would be um the, the we had we do like regular um sets of events and there was one particular one last year that um where the idea was driven not not from the marketing team but more from the consultants um and we and I think with with events, you, obviously, it needs to be a very collaborative kind of approach in terms of the you know the consulting consultants and the sales team need to be inviting people as do the marketing, and we need to be working together on it. But I made a decision to um, to let the consultants lead with what was their idea, and they felt that there was a need to to go with it, and it ended up being a really big flop. So. <laughs> I think my lesson there is um, stick to your guns in terms of, you know, the consult the consultants don't necessarily, while they they have ideas and it should be a collaborative effort, um, make sure that if you, you know, go with your gut, as I said, in terms of if you know or if you have a feeling that you should be going in a different direction or collaborating or speaking up, then definitely do that. Oh, I love that. I, I think it's... Uh... It's something we do often, right? Where we just say, look, gut feel just doesn't feel right. And uh, yeah. yeah, maybe maybe uh, this is a lesson for me. Maybe I shouldn't be doing email automation. We shall, we shall wait and see. Uh, <laughs> and one, one last thing I want to ask you before before you're free. Uh, yeah. is, what's your best piece of advice for somebody that's just started their marketing journey? Um, 
my best well I have a new starter starting in a few weeks actually who's got no experience so she's and she's starting her marketing journey so what I would be what I have said to her uh is um just be yeah you need to be very you need to be a sponge in the first month and just absorb 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 don't worry if you don't get it um don't worry if it doesn't make sense don't worry um and just roll with it just keep going and then it will all fall into place as soon as um you know once you've been in the role for a couple of months um if you're talking about someone are you thinking more in terms of if you're looking for a job or no, but that's that's I wasn't exactly what you said. Before. <laughs> I love that as well. So, if somebody's in marketing now looking for a marketing role, how do you stand out? How would you stand out? I think um, I would be well, at, like as a hiring manager. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would be, uh, and I would be receptive to receiving CVs directly from people who wanted to work for the company. So my advice to people looking for roles um, would be, you know, do some research about about the companies that you want to work for. Um, find out who that person is on LinkedIn that you, whose team you would be likely to be work, working for. Um, and just be bold, reach out to them, send them your CV, tell them why you admire the company and um, what they've been doing marketing-wise recently that you um, that you admired. Um, and chances are, if they're not hiring then, that that sort of email would be one that they'd come back to when they are. Absolutely. So I, I actually had an idea the other day for somebody. I'm going to share my screen. I don't know if you can do this, but people on YouTube will be able to see this. I'll describe it as best I can um, yeah. for the podcast. Now I use I use a product called V.io for video editing. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. I'm not you know I'm not on commission. It's just brilliant for social video editing. But what they do is they've also got this service here, right? Now they they let you send a message stuck to a pigeon to somebody for eighteen dollars. So I would I would think about printing out your CV and getting it attached to a pigeon. Oh and my god! So for eighteen dollars, this is what they do. So if anyone's interested in doing this, just go to v.io forward slash pigeon, uh, and they can print a message on it, and they will actually post some of the pigeon. So I can't think of a better way to get your CV in front of somebody uh, than to do it by pigeon. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, and it's fantastic video editing software as well. But the send the pigeon for me is fantastic. 